Welcome to Pull Up a Seat with your host, Alex Starr. All right. Lauren Smith, token up a blonde at the beginning of a podcast. First time. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, did you calm the nerves a little bit? Yeah, did you switch? Um, that's right, I put a little tequila in this club soda, so had to try it out. The neighbor gave it, so nice, dude. Did you switch? <laughs> Shit, I put too much. <clears throat> did you put? Did you switch over to smoking more when you quit drinking? I did. It helped out a lot. Like crazy, it just made everything so much better. When I when I was drinking, it was the lowest point of my life. I've never, I mean, I was drinking during the day. I was drinking around family. I was drinking in my truck in my room at night. You know, I just it was bad. Just <clears throat> what what happened? What led up to? I mean, I know what happened at the end of the season last year. Yeah, that had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, my sister passed away right on our last fire, and dealing with that mess. I mean. I don't want to say mess, but just having the, the the drama from the extended family, and you know, trying to be there for my for my family that's here in Arizona. Yeah, it was just you know, I, I crumpled under the pressure. I tried to hold up as best as I could, and uh-huh. I just slowly going down, just spiraled out of control. Just a toilet bowl. Yeah. Who were you trying to be strong for? Uh, my mom mostly because. Yeah. You know, my mom has eight kids, and I'm I'm the second oldest. My sister that passed away was the third oldest. Uh-huh. And for over about three years, it was just, you know, her, my uh, older sister, Raging, and I, you know, uh-huh. myself, you know. And, and the, my mom always called Tina her special tea. Uh-huh. You know. That's, the, that's her sister who passed away? Yeah. They're like, my sister and I, we were very much alike, dude. Really? Like, what do you see me do? Even before you grew your hair out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, we, once we party together, like, we're like nonstop. We just feed off each other. Really? Yeah, and like, throughout the season, I just saw a picture the other day of, like, us, like, one day, I just got paid on a Friday or something, and I was like, come on, let's go out. And so, I take her and my other sister, Jana, she would drive us, because she was underage. So we should just drive us around these bars and not pay for nice. drinks, and we just have like a grand old time. Nice. But yeah, for us it was weird because you know growing up on the reservation, dude, you, you don't see very many sober people having fun. Yeah, dude. So yeah, there was a few things I wanted to really talk to you about. One was the drinking. How long are you sober now for? Eight months? Nine months? Going on eight months. As you exhale. <laughs> Yeah, about three or four weeks, about eight months. Eight months, nice, dude. Congrats, that's awesome. So we were talking about the truck. Now you're stone cold sober. I haven't touched a drink. You haven't taken a sip, have you? No, I haven't seen you take a sip. You got a house. You just bought a house. Congrats, yeah. that's badass. It's... Just bought a fucking sweet motorcycle. I'm jealous of. Yeah. Well, that truck that I bought, I bought it this year with my tax return. 
Nice. Yeah. So in one year, like as soon as I stopped drinking, dude, pretty much. Really? When all this came out, when I got my new truck, then we started the the season, you know, and I got my bike, and I'm getting this house. So what? What other? How did stopping to drink? How did that? How did that momentum like perpetuate into other aspects of your life? You know what I mean? Yeah. How did it like turn into this? Like, did you stop drinking and you're obviously you become healthier? Yeah. You started losing weight. You started uh, just realizing decisions that you want to make. Yeah. In a sober mindset, and that led you. You know what I mean? I know what you is, mean. Is that what happened? Um. Hmm. It did, you know, let a fire in my ass, you know, to yeah. get my shit together. And, you know, I realized what was going on about a week, about a week before I stopped, I was talking to my sister, GM. And I, I'm living with her at this time, and I'm, we're going to the Circle K and spending the last bit of money I had from unemployment, you know, and I'm telling her, I think I got a problem, and I need to quit. She's, you know, she's, my sister, she, she's very supportive and kind of naive uh-huh you know she 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 sees the best in people and so she was like no I don't think you got a problem I think you're okay you seem to be doing okay then this is as I'm buying two malt liquors you know <laughs> yeah so then after that dude it's what was the day you decided to stop I want to say it's February 25th you woke up that morning and got over it well, my my niece was born a couple of days before. Wake up, well. Yeah. Nice. And that's pretty much happened. Like a little God. blessing just popped out there, huh? Yeah. In my family, they don't really hold back, so they weren't afraid to you know let me know that your drinking was out of control. Yeah. Oh, okay. So besides your sister, everyone else was. Yeah. Okay. But now everybody knows I do this. <laughs> yeah. It looks badass with that ring too, dude. <laughs> So yeah, when you were, do you think that like, <clears throat> I mean, pretty much a lot of people have, you know, issues with drinking or getting yeah. into it, but on the reservation, when you grew up, I looked up some, some stats, Yeah. okay, because I'm super interested in life on reservations because it's like, I tried to explain reservations um, when I was in South America Yeah. Uh, to the people I was living with in Peru. And I couldn't, for the life of me, explain it. Because they were, they were asking me about Native Americans. And I was like, yeah, well, they have reservations, but they're like their own entity. They're like yeah. a sovereign state. But they're still part of the U.S., but they're not. But they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I didn't really know how to explain it that well. But the stats I pulled up were that there's 2.9 million Native Americans, which is 0.9% of the population. Yeah. So negligent, right? And then some really interesting health stats were that tuberculosis, there's a 600% higher rate. These are all among Native Americans, okay? Yeah. Alcoholism, this is, pertains to you specifically very well, 510% higher. Damn. Alcoholism, oh. dude. Damn. This is off of the, um, the Bureau of Indian, Indian Affairs website. Yeah. Um, diabetes is 189% higher. Yeah. And Indian youth have higher rate of suicide among all ethnic groups. <laughs> so, from your experience, what what the fuck is going on? From what you saw when you were... You were so, where did you... You grew up near Seattle, right? <laughs> Not really near Seattle. 
It was in Washington. But it was Washington State, and it's this reservation called Skokomish. It's, it's like a sub-tribe of this giant nation of Ictwana. Okay. And it, and, um, how do I explain it? Well, there's the Puget Sound, right? Right. And this is big body water that separates Washington from when it forks off and goes up like that. Um, I'm near like the very bottom of the Puget Sound. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so... That's that. So and, what, what was it like growing up on it? Well, for my reservation, I, it is very fortunate, I believe. Because growing up on a, like looking at the reservations here in Arizona, it's there's nothing. The land is terrible. It's yeah. terrible. It's, yeah. But in Washington State, it's everything's so green. Yeah. And it rains ten months out of the year, and we live right next to the river in Skokomish. That's what it means, people of the river. Oh, nice. Okay. So that's how a lot of us would make a living, is fishing during fishing season, um, doing whatever we can on the body of water, getting shrimp, crab. Oysters going clam digging in the mud, you know. Um, that's that was the hustle where I was at. Okay. So there and around here, you know, there's nothing. What could they do? <laughs> yeah. Like the natives around here, harvest they, mesquite. <laughs> yeah, they can't really do anything, you know. So they, this is all they got to look forward to is getting fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't the case there. It it was still was the case. Okay, but I, I think it's more prevalent here. <clears throat> maybe, but it's just it's nice knowing that there's always a way to make money. Right. Yeah, because <clears throat> are most of the other reservations? Have you been on other ones? I've been to a couple, and there's one that was right by us called Squaxin, and they own this casino, and they their tribe compared to our tribe is wealthy. Really? Very wealthy. Did it feel like that was better for everyone that lived on the reservation? Oh, definitely. The definitely. They have a standard of living, and oh, the okay. reservation, they they maintain it pretty well. They you know they regulate the people, letting them know you can't have too much trash. Because, like, remember that village in Alaska? Yeah. You go to this village, just, just these group of houses and these people, they're all family. They're the oldest community out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And what do you see? You see garbage and yeah, there carcasses was a, everywhere. There was a ton of... I was I was shocked. Yeah. These are people that... Why is that? Why do you think that is? Because I find it fascinating that 300 years ago... Or no, not that. Let's go... Uh, 500 years ago, Native Americans were like stewards of the land. You know, everything you read... Yeah. You know, is that they are very connected with the land. They live off the land... And then now it seems like society kind of ate them up and spit them back out. And so now those ones in Alaska, those are not people who were like connected to the land at all. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was fuck, their, their yards were junkyards. Oh, yeah. Right? Like Definitely. that village was a shithole. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of sad to see that, that in that short of time, these people went from like this extreme connection to the land to an almost like disowning it because like they have nothing I don't know I don't know why do you think that was or why do you think that is a lot of them don't even care like what's that because like you said they have nothing almost nothing to live for and they just get the checks and it's just like well fuck we can't do what we used to do they all like most of them that I know or the way that I 
saw a lot of my family grow up yeah. is they lived off welfare. Okay. Milk the system, like using welfare and food stamps and everything like that. And there was nobody ever left the reservation. If people left the reservation, they never came back. Or, <laughs> what? Or they really? Would, like they the would, mafia, huh? Or they would go to, or they would go to like where some of their family is. They would never venture off on their own. And try to make it into into regular like contemporary normal society. society. Okay, yeah. You know, you're contributing member 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 of society. Sure. You know? And that and that was that's a big thing. Like nobody leaves, and I don't know. Why they're scared? Well, a lot of my family they never left because they're scared. It's easy to say that, but who knows? I mean, right. it could be. But I believe so. You know, I was scared when I left, but I don't regret it. Right. It's the greatest thing that happened to me. Right. You know. So mo- like, so they're in. <clears throat> yeah. So it is really like a country inside of this country because they, you guys. I mean, there's its own culture. Yeah. Own language own customs and such, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that you saw. And, uh, it's kind of going downhill with that, depending on where you're at. Oh, like, really? Like, in the, the Lakotas and the ones that I met in North, from North Dakota, they were still very involved in their history. But on my reservation, nobody, <laughs> nobody knows the language. The only people that know the language are the grandparents. Right, right. So they're all dying languages. Yeah. That's too bad, man. Just to see how far people have fallen, you know. It's, yeah. So, I mean, what do you think could, what do you think could help that? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, like, the people in Alaska, they, they could live off the land. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, you know, fertile area. Yeah. Um, but do you think that the problem is, like most people, if you're just going to, if you're going to give people money, like if, you know, if you yeah. give people money, then... I'd say it's they may be more from- positive role models than anything, because the, the people that we always looked up to were people who were involved were very good at sports. Uh-huh. You know? Because a reservation, like once you get into it, it's, it's like a little a little ghetto out in the middle of nowhere. Are all of them? Most of them like that? Most of one of them that I've been to. Yeah. You know? And you could always... Well, like for me, it's easy to tell which ones were alcoholics and drinking. I mean, you saw in Alaska, this guy on the side of the highway or on the road just falls back and he's still <laughs> drunk, you know? Yeah. I heard about that guy. And seeing all that, like, the the people who were involved, like, they were in my life that when I was growing up on there was my dad's and his friends. Uh-huh. And my dad was an alcoholic. Yeah. And so was his friends, so they always were getting fucked up during the daytime. Yeah. And when I did see him work, they would take me, like, my dad would, I, I call him my dad, he's not really my dad, he's the one that... He was with my got with my mom, helped raise her these three kids, you know, and but he's he's really not my father. Right, okay. He's not your biological. Yeah. Right, okay. Um Okay, the one that raises you is usually more of a dad than the biological one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he would take me with him like showing me uh 
hired a shrimp and crab and everything on the okay. boat. You know, pulling the nets and taking the yeah. salmon out or the yeah. trout, whatever it may be. Yeah. And then, but most of the time, I'd, I'd see him drinking. And my mom, she would she would go go get his weed for him, too. Uh-huh. And I know whenever there, when he was drinking, he was mostly happy, loud, belligerent, you know? Yeah. And... Uh, as I got older, I started seeing he was beating on my mom a lot more. Oh, shit. And <clears throat> there's, there, it's not unusual to see that on the reservation or hear your neighbor's, your old lady, someone beating up on their old lady. Really? Yeah. And when, I, when that would happen, we would leave the house. You know, I would run to my grandparents' house or a friend's house, get all my sisters and just bolt, you know. Hide out for a while? Yeah. And just pray to God that someone called the cops. And would they? Yeah, someone eventually would. Then, you know, that being the routine for... Like, until I was like 12 years old. Wow, and that's when you left. That's when you, you all left, right? Yeah, that's when Your my mom, mom left. met Anthony, the, the guy that she's with now. Yeah. My da- the dad that bought my house. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he does fire in Sierra Vista, or...? On Fort Huachuca, yeah. Because we saw him once. We saw him yeah. last year sometime. Yeah, he's yeah. a... He works structure on the, on the army base over there at Fort Huachuca. Oh, okay. But he used to, he did... He was forest service long before that. Okay, okay. So you guys... Yeah, wow. That's insane. So that was until you were 12. was just... Your dad was a drunk. Nice guy. Yeah. But drunk, beat up, would beat your mom... You and your sisters would hide in terror. In, and well, then, like, I, to get back to what I was talking about, like, positive role models and stuff. Yeah. Who were they? Uh, I got a, this kid I used to grow up with. His name is Andrew Tana, uh, Tanaza. We call him Bo. He was his... How do you get Bo from Andrew Tanaza? <laughs> he was, like, being called Bo. Nice. You know? That's and a little easier to say. We're not, you know, we're out there at night. Doing, we don't have to do anything doing on the weekends so we'd play basketball pick up games of basketball and nice. kind of go seek stuff like that yeah and uh, I'd always thought I'd always join in but Bo was amazing dude crazy good at uh, basketball yeah I was just like somewhat athletic but you know he made everything move so like, like it's you know effortless effortless yeah, yeah. I, know, I know kids like that yeah. so uh, everybody knew he was good Ever since the beginning, he got he ended up getting a scholarship to the University of Washington, I want to say, for his basketball. And now he's creating this. Uh, he owns a gym, have his own business. Was he's he your age? Yeah. Okay, but so he was kind of like this peer that everybody yeah looked up to. That so did you see him as like? I don't want to be too dramatic here, but did you see him as like hope? Do you know what I mean when you were a little kid? You see him as like, <laughs> like there's someone that like, there's there's something I can strive, aspire to be, or when you say a role model, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, not really, because like at the time I was just kind of my own thing. I wasn't even around right the reservation after sixth grade, you know. Yeah. But I I talk to him or hear stories about him through my cousins that are still there. Like, yeah. You know, and he created this whole uh, healthy lifestyle and just promoting that. 
Okay, cool. So, so and you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have that. We, mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't know too many, but too many people that were made it seem cool to be healthy and right, not do drugs and stuff. The like culture that. was very focused on yeah, booze and yeah, and that kind of stuff. So then, went to, so you so you left when you were twelve. You come down to Arizona. Yeah. And then do 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 skip ahead. And then how did you end up in the Marines? The Marines. That was like something in my like I was in my senior high school. I had nothing planned. I didn't do any SAT or uh-huh. I didn't take the test or anything like that. Uh-huh. I had no plans, dude. I had no idea what I was doing. Right. And. My parents were pushing me. They're you know, join the military. My cousin, he was about to go in the army, and my parents were they kind of pushed me towards the Marines, and I, I'll just like push it. I, I'd push back. You know, I didn't. I was like, screw you. I don't want to do this. Stop bringing me here. <laughs> you know, classic. Dude. Just leave me alone. Well, I don't. Sure. Want, this is not an option for me. Sure. Yeah. And so, finally, they quit. And that's when finally you're yeah, like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll I'll check it out now. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this because I want to, not because you told me to. Yeah. And the only person I talked to was the Marines. I, you know, I I don't know, it was just something about the uniform like and the way the, the, like they were compared to the rest of the armed forces. Mm-hmm. You they know, were, they're seen as more elite. Well, this recruiter, he, before he was in recruiting, he was like a machine gunner in the infantry, dude. He was like 5'8", 175 pounds, he was just jacked. Yeah. And, you know, you go look at the army, you see guys in just like their camis, loose-fitting clothes and stuffing a fat burger in their mouth or something. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, I want to be like that guy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's pretty much what happened. Now, I talked to him, he's like... I ended up graduating six months early, and I was supposed to leave in July. When I turned after I turned eighteen, uh-huh. and uh, that, that you know I signed the paperwork in September of two thousand four. You know for early uh, the play entry program. It's a four year. It was five years actually, because okay. uh, my job, my the training for my job took over a year to complete. Okay. So what was your job? I was an avionics electrician. Ooh, I so would repair like circuit boards and stuff for fancy. computers and jets. Yeah, yeah. buttons and dials and yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, it's almost like I work like a Radio Shack. Yeah, just repairing stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, avionics. Like, what did you say? Avionics. Avionic le- technician. Electrician. Electrician. Okay. Yeah. Well, I originally wanted. That to sounds do, way cooler than radio. Shows. Well, I originally went tried to go for crash, fire, and rescue, firefighting on the flight line. Uh huh. And and um, when I took the ASVAB scores, you know, I, I didn't even study. I just like, yeah, I'll take it. Just no preparation whatsoever. Yeah. End up not scoring as high as I want, and I miss it by a few points. He's like, "Oh, and my recruiter was telling me this." He's like, "Well, you can't." He never even gave me the option. Like, "Well, you can take the test again if you want." He was like, "What's you no? Know, what job are you picking?" And Funny how you phrase things a certain way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he just phrased it a certain way, and you had no idea that you yeah. could be taking it. Yeah. So I was. Uh, I told him that he's like, "Well, you're not score high enough." He's like, "Well, how about this one over here?" And, Avionics electrician. 
So, I don't know. I'm smart enough to repair circuit boards, but not smart enough to be a firefighter. Right. Made no sense to me. Yeah. Was there I, a lot of stuff that didn't make any sense to you in the military? Yeah, it's... Because if I'm taking our government job that we have now, and if I extrapolate that <laughs> and put it on the military, it makes me very sick. On a military scale, dude, it's just... I imagine it ten times bigger. Yeah. hundred times bigger. What were some things you saw that... It was more easy to sit there just eyes forward and just go along with the flow. Don't say anything. Don't try to pay no mind to all the bureaucracy and the bullshit that goes on to you. Yeah. It's a very good experience, but... Yeah. Um, I was like one of the youngest guys at boot camp, and I see all these dudes from from Texas and Wyoming and Arkansas and all this crazy stuff all meeting in San Diego and the way they do it is they try to make it as painful as possible just the experience but they're not they're not going to do it like punch you in the face all the time or anything sure. like that but anything to make your life miserable to make you want to give up and quit that's what they're going to do like they're going to try their hardest right and that's their job is to weed out the people who can't hack right. it <laughs> but then, but it's like almost joining this. That's an interesting perspective. That it's literally like is joining this big frat that everybody knows is there. Uh huh. And what they do, you know, right? It's like I told you before. It's like dick measurements, dude. <laughs> I fucking hate dick measurements. <laughs> That's what it seems. Because like right out of boot camp, dude, that yeah. was me. I was like, I would talk shit to army, army soldiers and stuff like that. I'm like, you're really? a fucking fuck ass army dude. Because you were, you were the top shit marine. Yeah, throughout three months, twelve weeks of boot camp <clears throat> of saying we're the best there is that's out there. We're the most badass. Right. Our standards are higher compared to everyone else's because we don't want to look like a bag of shit. Right. So do so. We had to live up to these standards and taught this history of the of the entire Marine Corps. Right. You know, it's like brainwashing for three months straight. It's sure. just saying the same thing over Sure, and over I mean, over. as <clears throat> as much as I don't enjoy brainwashing, it has. I mean, that has such a negative reputation. The yeah. word brainwashing. When you're in a hierarchical situation like that, especially a social hierarchy where the whole system depends on you, the subordinate listening to your supervisor under any circumstance, right? Yeah. Then it has to, you have to be brainwashed to a certain degree. Same way that when you go to school, you have to be brainwashed. Like, I'm the teacher, you're the student, you listen to me because... Yeah. Because that's how it fucking works. I'm asking you questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how any social hierarchy works. Um, so, yeah, brainwashing is... Yeah, that's interesting, man. But I mean, it makes... I mean, that's how it should work. I mean, that's, yeah. how, that's how that system works. Or our entire system works. Yeah. And so, um, what was I saying about boot camp? And Wait, were you having short-term memory loss, dude? Just a little. <laughs> Get off track. <laughs> Those are the best parts of conversations, though. Yeah, so you were saying that <clears throat> at boot camp you were sick of dick measurements. Yeah. And that's oh, that's happened. the very basis of the sure. part, dude. And, yeah. you know, it's they were always like, you want to be this guy that does 20 pull-ups and runs 18 minute, 3 miles, and 100 crunches. And you want to be the, that type of person in Marine. Right. The Marine that says, yes, sir, does everything, no question, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And 
Yeah. As soon as I got to the fleet and saw like how everybody is just like relaxed, you know, it's, they're not so. We call them motivated. Uh huh. <laughs> like you know, someone's like, "Come on, guys." What euphemism is that for? Someone who's like really enthused that loves their job. Okay. They love being marine. Okay. They you know. A Ben. Yeah. Okay. So when he, yeah, just loves their job and does, you know, just... I envy those people, to be honest. Do yeah, you? I mean, they do seem a lot happier. Yeah, they do, man. I envy people like that. Because it's, I don't... Sometimes people get this, like, extreme passion from... Yeah. Like, something that I find so, like, just mundane. Yeah. Um, but there's probably things that we both find exciting that other people would be like, why are you so excited about this for you know yeah but, but they really yeah I, I'm kind of envious of people like that that are just fucking into it no matter pretty much what it is no yeah so anyway there are people like that oh yeah motivated yeah motivators okay. like kind of like how RJ is okay yeah you know how he's always finding something to do always yeah. have to be working can't sit still yeah and does whatever he's told by Shopee sure. or whoever yeah we that's that's, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, right? But you know, I hung out with the people that were kind of came came from the same background that I have. Uh huh. You know, mostly you know people who came from like bad neighborhoods and stuff like that. Yeah. Listen to trap music. Yeah. Nice, dude. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. But I mean, it's the but it's a brotherhood that never goes away unless. You, go kill a bunch of people or just do something stupid yeah you know yeah do you still feel uh, like an allegiance in your heart to like you're always a marine right yeah yeah well like, and it was a good experience when you came out the other side you have you can go to college right you can get yeah. the um, what's it called what's the the GI Bill the GI Bill yeah, yeah. like yeah well for me and my family it was this is the furthest that somebody's gone with their life in a long time. Really? You are? I was I was the first one to get my high school diploma. Nice, man. My mom, oh, I had no idea. Really? My mom, yeah, my mom, she dropped out when she was like 14. Yeah. She had her first, when did she have her first kid? When she was 14. When she was 14, that's unbelievable. And that's my older sister that she had me when she was 18. Yeah. And yeah, my... Um, my older sister, she, you know, same story with pretty much all my sisters except for the ones that live here in Arizona. You made it, you you got your high school diploma. Yeah, well, like, my sister, Rainey, she had the option of staying up there in Washington with the rest of her family, you know. My mom pretty much took me and the the younger ones. Yeah. You know, the ones that were, like, six and five years old and there was us three while she was pregnant with my other sister Winona you know we packed up and drove three days on the road back here I, and just saying goodbye and not wanting to go you know yeah totally and uh as soon as I came down here everything changed I had to work <laughs> I never had to do that I'd you know, like how I said you'd find your hustle on the reservation? Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of times where you'd be hungry, you have nothing to eat. 
and for us that we we knew where who had an apple tree where the apple trees are or, or a cherry tree or where to find blackberries and huckleberries and blueberries sure, yeah. we we knew what to eat and where to find it or we'd get these things and the, the government assisted us somehow I don't know how it works but we have these things called commodities okay, explain now what's that commodities is like you, the government give you a box full of groceries okay you know your rice cereal soups uh-huh. stuff like that but it was you never you would never see this in a grocery store never see what the the labels or the off brands kind of things yeah, or it's leftovers what do you think they were no there's there's these boxes and containers and cans with nothing but white labels and black lettering no advertisements no commercial or anything just this is what it is like corn okay corn flakes okay then you know then all the corn flake cereal and just government cheese the generic of the generics the, the very basic okay so they would they would give that to you on the right but it wouldn't be enough no okay and what's that what's that phrase about like desperation leads to intuition or desperation leads to I don't know you know it's when it's when you know when you have to figure something out yeah. you figure it out yeah. when you're hungry you go find who has the nearest apple tree you know yeah and you know people in the community they would help each other out but yeah they would never buy anything new if they did they would have like a good job yeah. And if they had a good job, they wouldn't be on the reservation. Really? They'd leave? Well, if you have a good job, depending on like, how much it pays. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, this thing with my house, you know, I never in my life thought I'd own a house. Yeah, dude, it's pretty cool. Cause you're 27. Yeah, 28. Yeah. Are you 28? That's right. You just turned 28, sucker. And so... Well, that was a two-year gap, baby. Yeah. And... And uh, but like on the reservation, nobody buys a house. Yeah, they they have like a housing project or like if someone they already have these houses built, and it's just rotating families. Someone dies or moves out, or you don't qualify for the house anymore. Yeah, you get you move on, and some of their family will be there. Okay, so so there's no rent. Do does it, do people pay rent to somebody or? Not that I know, no. Okay, so it's all a community and people live in the community houses, basically. So they could pay rent, but it's just, I've, I've never talked to my family about that. Okay. Like, how it works to, with, with the housing. Yeah. And, um... Short-term memory loss, man. You gotta lay off the bud, bro. <laughs> I got I gotta jump start you. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. So yeah. nobody. Like, this is the first time that I'm experiencing of having like even the opportunity. Me owning a house is crazy, dude. I I think it's unbelievable what you've done. I mean, just from from last year, the last time I saw you. I don't want to bring up fucking bad memories, but the last time I saw you, yeah, we were in California, Northern California, near where I live on uh, the King Fire. Yeah, remember. And on the radio, they say, uh, Crew 5, you need to contact 
I think it was communications yeah. directly, uh, ASAP. And Sam looks at me and goes, oh, fuck, that's not good news. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, when communications contacts you, then something went wrong. Yeah. Like somebody, somebody's family members and doing well, it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, it's bad. Five minutes later, here comes the, here comes the call from George. Oh, yeah, can uh, Lauren come down here? I was like, oh, shit, dude. That's the last time I saw you. Yeah. Right? You 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 left smiling. I remember Kyle and I were sitting there and you walked down the hill and we're like, see you, Lauren. And you did that note. You were just like, yeah, all right, man. And fucking walked down. It's the last time I saw you. Yeah. And then you got the bad news, the terrible news. Um, and then I got a couple drunk calls from you in the off season. Yeah. Um, before I left and my phone didn't work. And then all of a sudden, boom, come back. We have a, uh, a relatively short season. I think it was five, five and a half months. Yeah. And now, that's the last time I saw you. That was six months ago. No. No, that was a year ago. Yeah. That was a year ago. And in between then and now, we now are sober, have a house, have a motorcycle, have still the same good job. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable, don't you think? Yeah, I spend a lot of money on booze. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be able to afford the, the badass motorcycle parked out front. Yeah. If you, had just, if you kept drinking, you would have spent it all on booze. But and I had to spend it all on weed, <laughs> which is a much better substitute, I think. Well, it's not as much. You know, no, get, it's not. Plus, now you can grow it at your house, man. <laughs> I don't know what the rules are here in Arizona, but you can grow it there. Yeah, but the thing with my sister passing away... Yeah. Is something that happens very common on the reservation. People, die. people die at a young age. Well, that's what the statistic, man. Indian youth. It's it's funny that this website they said Native American for all of it, then all of a sudden for this statistic they said Indian. Yeah. Whatever. Indian youth have highest rate of suicide among all ethnic groups. And is that what you're talking about? Yeah, uh, suicide. A, a lot of my family from the reservation actually. They, the way that they died could technically be called suicide. But hers wasn't. No. But it's just accidents like that? It's... It's... Unfortunately, like, a lot of their lifestyle. Okay. That brings it on. Right. Sure. Like... When you're, when you're drinking and... Um... <clears throat> like, this tattoo I have right here. Yeah. Uh, it, I... Yeah, I've never taken a real good look at that. <laughs> I, well, I wanted it to kind of re- remind me of my family back on the reservation in Washington State. And it, it's a pair of boxing gloves with uh, four people's initials. A, C, B, C, W, C, or it's D, supposed to be W, J, and w, D, J. W, J, yeah. D, J, okay. <clears throat> um, my grandpa, he used to train boxers. Oh, cool. And my dad was a boxer. And his cousins and his brothers were boxers. And my dad, him being a good boxer, or just being a boxer in general, when he could be drinking, he broke my mom's nose. Right. But, um... He knew what to do. <clears throat> Arnold, Arnold and Barney, these guys are brothers. The, they're my cousins. Mm-hmm. The, their families, it's tragic to you, but... Arnold, I want to say... 
he died of an overdose on pills. Uh huh. You know, and that can be considered a suicide. Then Barney, he 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 was at this party in the middle of winter. He got so drunk he he's like, I'm gonna go pass out in the car. Uh huh. Passes out in the car, dies of hypothermia. No way. Yeah. I heard about that little sidebar real quick. Last winter, I remember hearing about a Minnesota girl. It's not funny, but it, it pertains to what you just said. Yeah. That she got so drunk. It's funny because I can imagine like a lot of me, myself, and a lot of friends I know in college doing this if we were in a, a cold climate. Yeah. She got hammered, <clears throat> went outside, passed out in the snow, woke up the next morning, they had to amputate all four of her limbs. What? Yeah. Passed out in the snow and just got complete frostbite. I mean, it was like negative ten outside. It was in Minnesota, or Michigan, or something. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, it, it's not that hard to conceive of. No, it's not. I, I if you t- have one party where you're a little too drunk and you just fall asleep outside, but it happens to be negative ten. Yeah, your the alcohol is telling your skin that it's telling your brain. You know, it reduces the the skin the blood circulation to your skin, so it's telling you you're not that cold. You wake up in the morning and. Man, that would be the worst morning in the fucking world, dude. Can you imagine that? Waking up in the dorm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people, the, the accidents like what happened to your sister. Yeah. Then, and also, like... That isn't rare. People weren't shocked. No, especially... But you're with, not on a reservation right now. No. But, but you're saying... Drugs, the drugs is a very major component to it, too. Because when I was in 8th grade, I was 13 years old. That's the first time I went to a party and drank beer and smoked weed. Were you 13? No, I was with my cousins. And sometimes my sister would join me, the one that passed away, Tina. Because yeah. she was a year younger than I was. And we'd, you know, we'd, we'd hang out do all, sure. do, do all the same thing. Yeah. And that's when... Cause that's when I had to come back to Arizona again. Because we moved down here. My mom let me go back for a year of school. And I was supposed to come back. And I didn't want to come back. I wanted to stay because I wanted to stay with my sisters and the rest of my family. Yeah, sure. And so my mom scheduled this flight for me to go. And I never show up. I never make an attempt to go to the airport. And I told my mom, no, I'm staying here. My mom gets mad. Puts me as a statewide runaway, and I'm on the run. What? On the reservation, you know. Where were you? Um, at my grandma's house. That's oh, where okay. most of my cousins were, you know, were on the run would go. Yeah. When they don't want to be at their parents' house anymore. Yeah. Go to grandma's house. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember uh, one time they came up and knocked on the door and I was hiding between the couch and the window and I could hear him talking to my grandma asking me about, uh, about me and, you know, explaining the situation and my grandma was like freaking out. Who was it? The police? Yeah, it was the, the police. You have reservation police? Yeah, tribal oh, police. Tribal police, okay. And I remember one time I was riding this mountain bike with one of my friends down this road. Uh... And the cops passed by us. And then I saw him turning around. I look back and he's turning around and I start taking off. I'm riding this bike through these people's lawns and backyards and cutting through neighborhoods and 
taking dirt roads so I'm on the edge of the reservation by the river and I stopped like this probably it's probably like five miles uh-huh. away just just cause I knew what was going on and I didn't want to get caught by the cops <laughs> <laughs> who does <laughs> then eventually you know it goes you know I cave in and I'm like everybody's telling me at this point you know it's not even worth it just go back and so I ended up coming back to Arizona for high school. And that was like the worst years. High school? Just because like, you know, for my parents, just because yeah. my hormones and <laughs> I wanted to rebel and shit like that, you know. My hormones. That's probably the best description of high school years. Well, when you hit puberty, you know. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot more important things than being a, a good child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you when you finally um you know now looking at where you're at now as compared to a year ago, especially what happened to your sister, you know, all that pressure like you were talking about. Yeah. Because you have done because you you were the one who graduated, you went to the Marines, you kind of, you know, made something of yourself. Yeah. I would say then all the pressure was on you correct after what happened and and that's what led you into this kind of spiral well I'd say it's the pressure has always kind of been on me yeah you know just because I was the first in the family to get the high school diploma that's that was what put everything on my shoulders and that pressure is like right now what do I do now isn't that crazy, dude? It's amazing. Yeah, like, I, I tell everybody this. Like, what led me to join the Marines? I was like, I'm not doing anything for the next four years. Why the hell not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's what pretty much what happened, dude. I was like, all right, I'll go check it out. Yeah. And, you know, making the friends that I know. And, you know, it's a it's one of those experiences where you ha- it makes you become a man. Yeah. Where you have to... You know, give everything you got and see, you know, your personality. If you what you're made of. Yeah, what you're made of. Nice. You see how many people quit and see how many people that stay in and some, how many people go crazy. It exposes you to a lot. It's very psychological what they do. Yeah. Because in San Diego, we're right next to the airport and that's all you hear all day is planes there. taking off and coming in and you're in this hell and you know away from your family I mean boot camp thinking what the fuck am I doing here right and you're hearing people leave on the airplane where are they going yeah where are those people coming back from where are they going yeah yeah and uh, pitching yourself that being you and there's people that hop the fence and run on the runway you're kidding to the airplanes I I remember I saw one drone instructor holding this kid butt naked in the middle of like you know middle of the day sun's out everybody sees he's crying his head off dude covering his junk just trying to let go and everything you know just cause he he didn't want to do it anymore he broke down yeah we saw I saw one guy one guy our first night not even our first night staying in in the in the bunks he gave up Everybody's at the airport waiting for the bus to pick us up. The bus picks us up. 
and you go, you get off the bus, they wait, they make you wait until like midnight. Then they'll take you off the bus and you stand with the couple of yellow footprints. And this is a big deal, you know, symbolizing that you went through this badass boot camp of the Marines, the yellow footprints. Okay. So this is the initiation? This is at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Then the drone structure will come out. It tell you to grab empty thing out of your pockets, grab all the stuff, new new underwear, new shirts, new everything. And they're like, you know, I, I can't do this with you yelling at me. I'm not doing this where I'm giving up. You know? That was the, within the first hour? Yeah. Wow. So what, what kept you... Did you ever think about quitting? A lot. Well, yeah. okay, but let me... Did you ever seriously consider quitting? No, because I didn't want to deal with the embarrassment of seeing my family telling them that I gave up. So that's what kept you going. Yeah. I, like, I can't fucking puss out of it now. I already signed the contract. And the way that my recruiter got me... I knew this guy's gonna fuck me over. This is what, this is what recruiters do. They sweet okay. talk you, these sure. young kids, mm-hmm. you know, preying on these guys straight out of high school that don't want to go to college, you know. They don't have too many options. It's not. I'm not saying that's all. Right. Of course. But yeah. you know, that's that's what seems the prerogative. Well, it's a, it's a sales position. Yeah. This the, like it's the most easiest way to brainwash you is when you're still young and you don't know anything about the rest of the world. Sure, you're impressionable. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, said, I just I just uh, got my diploma in December. You know, I was like, all right, I got like seven months until I go to boot camp. What should I do? And hang out with my girlfriend and, you know, I guess I should look for a job or something. Yeah. And he called me like a couple of days after Christmas, I want to say. He's like, hey, I got this guy who's supposed to go to boot camp next month. He got sick. He can't go. Uh, I'm asking you to see if you're man enough to, if you're man enough to do it. And you know me, I'm 17 years old. I'm like, great fucking line for a 17. Yeah, I was like, are you man enough to do this shit? I'm like, fuck yeah, man, I'm out to right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what happened, dude. I ain't no bitch. My dick is huge. Yeah, that's all dick missions. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fucking unbelievable line, dude, for a 17-year-old. I mean, that you could have sold it. I think you could sell 99% of 17-year-olds on that line. <laughs> yeah. You man, Are you man enough? You don't in the way you phrase things, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a great sales pitch right there. You don't you don't say like, "Hey man, I'd like you to come out and maybe check out the Marines. What do you think?" Are you man enough to do this? Yeah. You have, there's, at that point, you have two responses. Yes. <laughs> no. Oh, no. I'm not man enough to say <laughs> Yeah. Who's going to want to say that? Who's going to want to sit there and say, uh, uh, no, sir, I am not man enough to do what you request. No one's yeah. going to, no 17-year-old's going to want to say that. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's good. Well, then, so then you ended up there, but. Yeah, and um, that in a way, like, kind of, it done a lot for my family, you know, because the last person in my family actually go to the military was my grandpa. Mm. My grandfather, both my grandfathers were in Vietnam. Nice, okay. 
So there was this interesting like feedback loop where yeah you were helping your family, and in turn, your family was your inspiration for finishing, yeah, for completing the boot camp and for doing it. Yeah, my family's that pressure on me for me yeah. to strive and. That pressure gets to me sometimes. Does it? Yeah, it does a lot. Yeah? Heavy weight? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have my my moments where like I, it's a little too much. And uh, it's mostly after right when we get off the of fires. Oh, I remember you telling me about that because you get back and it's just everyone. Hey, yeah. we're doing this, we're doing that. We're Yeah, it's just like this constant go, go, go. Because yeah. like, my mom, she... My mom has this way of... Working her her lifestyle, I would say, sure. she's never not doing anything. It's hard for her to sit and stand still. Mm-hmm. She's always cleaning the house. She's always doing garden work, finding something to do. And she'd tell me that she's like, no peace must work. And so she's always on my case and be like, you got you got to keep going. You got to keep doing this. You got to, you know. Where do you think that comes from? Um, Was this their personality? You think or something that's. Hasn't really been around my family, I would say. So the positive inspiration of like, hey, and they see be... it in you, and you're one of the oldest, and so yeah, yeah. So what do you do to cope? Um. <laughs> I don't know why I asked that question. <laughs> it helps out a lot, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um. So you can just take a step back and. Relax and just re, re, you know, get that inspiration again. Remember did alcohol ever give you inspiration? No, it did not, dude. Yeah. It gave me inspiration to look forward to the next drink. Yeah. I was, you know, That's well after said. a while, like, I, the beginning of stages is like, I'd wait till night. When it was nighttime, that's when it was time. Sure. Then it slowly progresses, like, well, I still got a little bit in the morning. I'd, why not now? I'd just kill it and that'd be it. Then they started doing it at lunch. Then going like getting a like getting a bottle of for like a night, like a fifth. Yeah, for a night like that size of that tequila bottle. Yeah, I'd I'd probably get like halfway. Then the next then the next day I'd finish it off. Damn. Yeah. And you know, it's being sober this long is. The longest I've been sober, like I'd say, like ten years. You know, do you see not yourself? having a drink or anything like that? You have a year goal, right? Yeah. Do you see yourself after the year getting mm-hmm. kind of reintroducing it, or do you see this as a, your new lifestyle? Um, I kind of look forward to when I can have a beer again. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I love drinking IPAs and beers and, you know, um, uh, I want to have celebration beer. Yeah. But I could probably do this as a lifestyle. I'd have to see myself, how I'd feel at that. Yeah. Ask me again in January. Sure, yeah. yeah. I'll let you know. Sure. Now I'm just like... We'll do another one then. Oh, when we come (laughs) back and I come back next season, we'll do another one. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting because... Because I recently... You know, I, I went to this... I had a beach house with my friends. Like, yeah. We do it every year. We've done it for nine years now. And, um, and dude, alcohol, I feel like, is just one of those drugs that from a lot of friends I talk to, and, and, and myself included, that it doesn't... 
it's really it's it's very easy to cross the line with alcohol. Yeah. You know, and I really I don't drink that much. Um, I I don't like. Yeah, I never got to that point that you're at. I never had a tragedy to to spark that. Yeah, I could easily see that happening with myself. Yeah, but you know, when you're sitting there and like <clears throat> like at the beginning of this season, like in that transition where I move in a new place and there's not much going on, and I, dude, I get lonely and bored. Yeah, and it's like, well, where are there people hanging out? Well, I guess I'll go to the saloon. And, yeah. Well, five or six beers later. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, I'm kind of drunk. And so that can easily turn into a habit. And a lot of friends I have, you know, I think that alcohol is really, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Um, and, and after I had this beach house with my friends, I I would, I woke up kind of slightly hungover and I realized that I wasn't engaging with my friends as well as I, I I wasn't present as well as I could have been because I was slightly hungover. Right. I wasn't a hundred percent like there yeah you know I had a headache and I was a little tired yeah well so then what do you do when you're a little hungover have another drink to you have another drink to compensate right yeah so then that continued and by the last day I was just like a fucking zombie but you know what I was enjoying myself thoroughly yeah with my friends sober stone cold sober I could have drank in fucking club soda and lime and I would have had a great time yeah but for some reason, there's like this allure with alcohol that, you know, even if you're having a great time now, oh, guess what? If you have that beer, you're going to have a better time. But it's yeah. not the case. It's like this perpetual illusion that is always there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so I told myself that I was going to, I was just going to quit drinking for a year like you did. You were my inspiration. Yeah. But... <sighs> That doesn't really help me at all. For me personally, it doesn't really help me either. Because I, I, I want to be able to go and just have like one or two. Yeah. So it's hard. I mean, everybody's different, man. But I totally agree that like, it's just, it's such a slippery slope, man. And it's such an easy fix and it's everywhere that if you do have a tragedy in your, you know, in your family, you know. Yeah. Or you're feeling, you're sitting there on a Sunday afternoon at three in the afternoon and you're lonely. You know, it's right there. It is right fucking there. It's a five minute drive, man. And you can drown the bottle and you can at least forget about your sorrows and and look forward to the next drink, like you said. Yeah, and then you have like this communities, like this, you know, some people from uh, when earlier this year, like around the hot fire, May, June. Yeah. Remember, we're sitting over there in Douglas. Yeah. You see how many people are drive around with beers in the back of their trucks dude yeah having roadies yeah you yeah. know it's like this is what people do a lot and abuse yeah and but like on the uh, on the reservation dude it's so much more frequent when yeah. I when I went through it and just talking to family members that's you know kids just growing up knowing or being around people who are drunk all the time yeah and people are dying from like I know this one of my dad's friends named Warren he he wasn't for much older I would say he didn't even make it to 35 I would say he died died cirrhosis of the liver he yeah. drank so much you know I had his uncle we called him Chief but his real name was Harold but my dad's name was Harold so we didn't call him Harold we called him Chief and you know he had he had his son baby Harry 
you know, and we never met his, his old lady or maybe here his mom. I, I don't know what happened to her, but Chief, he 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 wanted to be a good dad. He re, he was a good guy, you know, but he'd drink. He'd drink with my dad, and I just saw it happening where he'd have met his grandparents and he'd just be wandering all over on the side of the road or like we'd play basketball and he'd try to come play basketball I would smell it on his breath oh yeah 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 and him just being slow and sloppy with the drunk and just you know you see it everywhere you think that helped you to make this decision now Um, seeing what what could be yeah yeah I'd say yeah cause like you know my mom would use that she got uh, to get me to quit drinking when I was in the Marines. Yeah. But, I mean, in the Marines, it's, you know, going through the Marines throughout through that uh, that part of my life, you know, from 18 to 22, that's the same years of, like, college years, dude. Yeah. So, what do people do in college? You drink. Heavily. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, it's no different in the military. Yeah. You know. That's what we would do. Yeah, right. You know, it's great. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up, man. I need to go pay my rent, and it has been an hour already. Um, nice. But, yeah, man, it's uh, it's fucking awesome what you've been doing, like I told you. <laughs> Super proud of you, man. Well, thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, man. It's cool because you like you listen to it, and you share it all the time when I post it on Facebook. Yeah, well, like, I remember, like, I, we somehow we were talking about Joe Rogan, and you were talking about his podcast. Yeah. And I've been in podcasts for a while, and I was like, you like podcasts, dude? He's like, yeah. Like, dude, that's crazy. And just, <laughs> like, having that connection, and he's like, it's pretty cool, dude. Yeah. And that, like, seeing how far you've come with it, man. You Like, now you're hosting your own and having this website, and, you know, and just helping you promote you, dude. It's really awesome. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, it's it's been fun, man. It's uh, yeah. I didn't think it, I had a lot saved for the past year, but I didn't actually get started until you know where I got it started, man. Whoa. Talk about ironic. I started it at the fucking saloon. <laughs> yeah, I went there and I was yeah. like, I need to get this done, man. It was weighing on me. Yeah. And I went to the saloon and had a couple of beers and put on my computer. They have excellent Wi-Fi at the saloon. Nice. You know, so that's why I go. Yeah. And uh, finally got it going, dude. So it's cool that you're such a fan of podcasts and you listen to mine a lot and I get to have you on <laughs> as my guest. It's crazy, dude. So, yeah, it's cool. I'm sure we'll have another one next season. We can talk about how maybe you've reintroduced a couple beers. Yeah. Um, but we got to go get a picture of us two on the motorcycles oh, yeah, so I can dude. post it on the website. <laughs> so I need to change into boots and cowboy boots to look like you. All right, nice, so, dude. All right, Lauren, thanks for coming on, dude. All right.